What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Mike Myers' So I Married an Axe Murderer for the 3FN Movie Club Review. But before we can get there, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First, he is the man that has not married one, not married two, but yet married three axe murderers and lived to tell about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ron. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to type. Yeah, you know, the axe murderers your type. It just happens. You like to live on the edge. Yeah, you know, literally, the axe edge. My question is, have you ever climbed out on a roof to get away from one? Uh, Me and roofs don't get along really well. Yeah, you got to make sure they're sturdy. Because if it's an older roof, you never know. You might be risking a lot more than just the axe. I mean, my parents did cut down the tree in front of the house, you know, which sucked. Ah. That was the way you would get in and out (laughs) of my parents' house without being seen. Well, that 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 was that was many years ago, yeah, that was many, many moons ago. That was, that was when I was a little more in shape. And that, that's when you could be on the roof. Yeah, like I'm not <laughs> judging you because I can't be on the roof either. <laughs> of course, the other nerd is also here. He doesn't need an introduction yet. He has the longest introduction in all of podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. It's Diesel. What's up, my little party people? Uh, party people in the place to be. See, man, we start watching movies from the 90s and it all comes back. <laughs> Tag team back again. Check it, direct it. Let's begin. Well, with that... Let's begin this off by saying, Ron, how's been your week? Uh, it's been interesting. There's been a lot of stuff going on, but that's fine. Uh, our Wednesday group did uh, meet, and, you know, it's working well. We're just moseying on through the uh, Dragon Lance, and, you know, we kind of got into an encounter that was a little bit OT, but whatever. We were able to make it happen. Uh, there's been no major big things going on with that group right now. We're working on it. Uh, we did meet Lord Soth in the Dragonlance world, and he, he would have wiped the floor with us, and we were cocky enough just to try. Nice. <laughs> but, but it didn't happen. DM took pity on us. <laughs> Lee, Leroy Jenkins in this bitch. Yeah, anyway, you know, sometimes sometimes you got to be stupid. But, you know, other than that, uh, I did something a little stupid and crazy over the weekend. I uh, ended up taking my online uh, motorcycle permit test. Oh, so, nice. So I passed. So now i got to figure out how to go... <laughs> figure out a motorcycle and figure out how to go take the road test i was gonna say they have classes right over yeah, here at the yeah. harley davidson yeah place. i gotta see how much that costs i'm not i can't remember but my my father yeah. loved it and you get, you can take your test right there too yeah yeah, yeah just so you know yeah that's that's what i gotta look into but yeah that was just something that out of spare boredom i was like oh let me do this nice <laughs> so, stupid yeah, driving a motorcycle is fun <laughs> so we'll see what, we'll see what happens so i might be dead here in a month or so yeah you know hey you only <laughs> live once right you just a little bit of road rash never killed anybody <laughs> Oh. oh, that's true and not true. <laughs> uh, anyways, Diesel, how's been your week? Uh, I'm going through some shit, but we're getting through it. Uh, weekend was... I, I kept busy here at the game store just to keep my mind off of some things, but things are turning around, so we're doing good. So, But it's been a, 
It was about an interesting week. <laughs> well, that, that sucks to hear. Uh, I've been uh, relatively good. Thankfully, you know, and there was no events for me per se, but I did go to a graduation party because our good friend George, his daughter graduated high school as well this same year. So we went to, went up there and celebrated that. It was a fun time. Unfortunately, my wife has not been feeling good all week, so yeah. the weekend, so that kind of sucked and put a damper on things. But other than that, I, I relaxing, watched some wrestling, and nice. you know, kind of just hanging out, just chilling like a villain. Nice. I forgot that uh, Superfan Sean's birthday was last week, too. That's okay, so happy birthday, happy Superfan birthday, Sean. Sean. Yeah, I forgot yes. about that. Sorry. It's been Sorry. a week. <laughs> yeah, this. There's these guys have got lots on their minds, and <laughs> thankfully my mind is now cleared. But that's not always a good thing because now I'm kind of like I must be forgetting some shit. But with that being said, hopefully everybody out there had a great week this past week, and I hope you all have a good upcoming week as well. Now that we've moved past the pleasantries, we need to get into some business. It's time for us to hit you with a little bit of them opening plugs, of course. If you would like to know any information about the 3FN Podcast, go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you will find all of our social media links, including in not too distant future how to put our threads link, because we are on threads, by the way, 3FN Pod. So if you follow us on Instagram, follow us on threads too. There you go. little plug out there. But we, all the other ones are on the 3FNPodcast.com. Also, while you're there, check out the TeePublic link. Check out the link to Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, and of course, we just kicked off Shark Month. Uh, Diesel and I did a bonus review of Jaws 2. Uh, Jaws 3D, or Jaws 3, if you will, will be coming in the next week. Plus, we've got a ton of other uh, stuff coming up as well. So you want to be over there. Help support the show. Help support and uh, help us spread the word of nerd over there on Patreon. On top of that, check out the links for the 3FM podcast. You can stream it right from the website. Also, 607TWS, the wrestling show that I do at Ken M every week uh, from the ODP. Uh, that's up there. You can stream it from the site. Of course, find all the links for that as well. Speaking of the ODPH podcast, friends of the show, check out the ODPH and ODPHpodcast.com. And then we move on to the musical directory where you can find the bands that provide us with music so we don't get those dreaded DMCAs. Big shout outs to Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN podcast you hear at the beginning of the show each and every week. Make sure you support them on Spotify, YouTube, music and band camp and of course last but certainly not least is the sponsor section these are the fine folks that help us bring the show to you each and every week commercial free shout outs to rex to rods auto detailing if you're in the 607 and you want to put the pride back in your ride diesel what's the number 607-644-3389 of course our good friends at sci-fi horror fest we're getting closer to it august 25th and 26th in vernon new york at the vernon downs casino if you would like to find out the celebrity guests that will be there the vendors and ticket information go to sci-fi horror Fest.com. And last but certainly not least, our most important sponsor, Dragon Master Games. Yes, they're the ones that provide us with the 8122 Production Studios. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com And of course, if you forget any of that information, just go to 3FNPodcast.com. Everything is there. So really a long-winded way for me to always bring it home to 3FNPodcast.com. By the way, yes, we are on the threads. I had to throw that in there now. You know, the Zucks made his own Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. That's have, thing. have you jo- have you have you joined the threads, Diesel? No, and I won't. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. No, I I don't use the social media I already have. <laughs> well, not only that, you can't do with that social media like what you like to do with social media. Yeah. <laughs> not yet, anyways. <laughs> well, actually, now's the perfect time because the algorithm has not caught up to catching people. So I've seen some things that would get banned because they they use the uh, same matrix, if you will, for. Uh, that as they do for Instagram because it's just an Instagram yeah. thing. So, of course, we're on there because we have an Instagram. It took me two seconds. I literally said "dink" and then "bam," I had a Threads. So why not? Why not? It is what it is. And you act like I go on social media that much. <laughs> you guys are following us on social media. You know, we don't post a ton. We don't have to. It's it's fun. You guys, but if you guys do want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us. I, I still check that every day. Don't you worry. All right. That's enough for shameless plugs. That's enough for everything else. Let's dive into the show. Let's give these people what they want. And let's kick it off the way we normally do. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. Got a pretty exciting box office this week. Come in at number five for its sixth week now, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with another $8 million. Nice. It's still making the monies. Uh, for its fourth week, Elemental pulling in $9.6 million. Well, just around that $10 million mark uh, still. That's pretty good. Uh, debuting this week, and it's kind of weird because it's got the weekend gross of 18.2, but a total gross of 40.2, The Sound of Freedom. I think it's because there was like early showing some places. Gotcha. Technically, it wasn't yeah. open this here, but I think it opened some major cities a week or two ago. Gotcha. You know, like one of those. I, like when we went to see last night in Soho, no. technically yeah. that opened like two weeks before in like the major markets, and then we got it. Yeah, no, Jeff and I saw that on uh, July 4th. Yeah. It's, it's, it's powerful. Powerful. Uh, dropping down to the number two spot, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny going down to $26.5 million. So not a huge drop-off, but a decent drop-off. Yeah, you know, nothing... Uh, it's not yelling the Flash at us. No. No, oh, Flash is... <laughs> Flash flashed off the top five, that's for damn sure. <laughs> and debuting this week with $32.7 million, Insidious, The Red Door. Not surprised, horror movie. It's uh, getting, uh, you know, people are like in spooky season early, you know? Yeah. Uh, summertime, horror movies usually do well, believe it or not. So yep. I'm not surprised there. And once again, it's part of a franchise, although I've heard mixed reactions. That's why I haven't gone to see it yet. Yeah, I was I, thinking about going to see it. And then uh, I have a friend of mine that was like, don't fucking yeah, bother. I, I heard it actually sucks. So, so I might just wait until that comes to streaming, even though I have the unlimited pass. So I guess if I get real bored and I don't want to go see Mission Impossible this weekend, yeah. maybe I'll go see Insidious instead. Diesel, speaking of which, and I just killed one of your upcomings, but what's the upcoming movies in the box office? So, burying the lead there, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning comes out this week. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Ooh. Oh, because it's, it's a two-parter, damn it. <laughs> yeah, t- what's up with movies in two parts lately? Because, uh, like, I mean, Fast X is going to be in, what, three parts? Yeah. Or, or tone, essentially? Tone was like, oh, I know what movie we're going to see this week. I'm like, uh, we're not doing that review. He goes, you guys suck. I'm like, <laughs> No, no, we don't suck. I just I'm never I've never either. been a big Mission Impossible fan. I mean, I still might go see it, but I don't didn't want to make everybody go see it. I know yeah. Diesel, Diesel's maybe seen one of those movies. The first one I enjoyed it, but then I just the first lost. one wasn't that good though. It was cool for its time. Yeah. You got to remember that came out in the late nineties. Yeah. yeah, I know. But also coming out this week, we have Theater Camp, The Miracle Club, The Flood, and Black Ice. Ah, of course. And then uh, what's the week after that? It's the week. Of the Barbie Heimer. <laughs> yes, it's finally here. The, the the Atomic Weekend. The Atomic Weekend. The P 
pink atomic bomb is dropping. We got Barbie coming out next week, and we have Oppenheimer. So we'll make an announcement here. This uh, since we're not going to we're not doing Mission Impossible here to ask what we're doing. Uh, it's simple. Next week we'll be doing the 25th anniversary of Armageddon. So we're still doing an action flick. And of course, remember we did Deep Impact a couple months ago. It was in the month of May. And so we said there was a twin movie that came out in the month of July. That would be Armageddon. So that's what we're going to be doing next week. 25th anniversary of Armageddon for the 3FN Movie Club review. And the week after the 3FN Movie Club review. Drum roll, please. Barbie. So we're going to do Barbie on the main feed, but don't you worry. We're going to be doing Oppenheimer on the Patreon feed. So, yeah, I know we're putting it behind the paywall, but guess what, guys? It's only a dollar a month. You get a bunch of extra bonus stuff, and that way we could do the fun movie on the main feed, and then we could also still go to see a movie we all are very interested in seeing in Oppenheimer. It's a three-hour film, and you know what? If it bores most people, that's okay because it's it's, it's in Patreon, so you don't even have to hear about it. There you go. So there's decisions were made. So the next two weeks of the 3FN Movie Club reviews here on the main feed will be the 25th anniversary of Armageddon, followed by Barbie. With that being said, Diesel, that means we've got a top three, I do believe. Your top three films where an actor and actress multi-rolled. Oh, that's just, this is a tough one. <laughs> I am going to be honest. This is a tough one. In my number three spot, it's going to shock you, The Nutty Professor. But not Eddie Murphy, the original Nutty Professor with uh, Jerry Lewis. Yep, nice. Uh, he played multiple characters in that yep. movie. That's where they got it from. Yep. If you've never seen that movie, it's phenomenal. I'm a big fan. I do like the Eddie Murphy rendition. Yep. Don't get me wrong. However, I have a soft spot in my heart yep. for that. Don't worry, though. Eddie Murphy's on the list of the number two spot, but not for the movie most people would think. Coming to America. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall play multiple characters in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I really do love Coming to America. So, ladies and gentlemen, Coming to America. By the way, Eddie Murphy's career is pretty much him playing multiple roles. I think like the only franchise he's ever been in that didn't have that is uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Because if you think about it, every oh, other yeah. franchise yeah. has had, or 48 Hours, but do you call it a franchise? There's only two movies. Uh, not yet. It's not. I, a I don't think it's a franchise. But Beverly Hills Cop. It's got three. Four on the way, allegedly, so we'll find out. I've been waiting for that movie for a long time. Uh, My number one spot, by the way, we reviewed this for on 3FN Rewind over on Patreon for the Patreon exclusive, one of our shows that we do over there. His 40th anniversary was this year, Tootsie. Yep. Tootsie is an amazing movie. If you've never seen Tootsie, fucking phenomenal film. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, We we loved it when we went to see it. So, Well, when we watched it for the the review, so... That's my big shout. Tootsie's my number one. Ron, what's your top three? Uh, number three is The Change Up with Ryan Reynolds. No, no <laughs> surprise that we're going to get a Ryan Reynolds movie on here. <laughs> uh, number two, I'm, I'm I'm going with the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep. Get, a lot the, of them. A lot of them. Very good. And then I I put number one as Back to the Future 2. Ooh, yes. Yeah, you know, so. Yes, Back to the Future 2 works out. Diesel, your top three. All right, we're going to a, a beloved classic for the three fat nerds here. Clerks, Walt Flanagan <laughs> as every extra character in the movie. Listen, budgetary <laughs> restrictions be damned. We have Walt Flanagan. Number two, we're going to go with Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy in Legend. Yeah, nice. actually, I almost forgot about that. Legend was pretty good. Especially since you have a fight scene with the two brothers, which is great. Yes. <laughs> and then the number one has so many people doing multiple roles. It's one of my favorite movies of all time now. And we got Tom Hanks, you got Halle Berry, you got Jim Sturgis, you got everybody 
Cloud Atlas. I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I love Cloud Atlas. Atlas. I know you love Cloud I, Atlas. I never watched it actually. Oh, I got to watch it's so it. No, I, it's one of those movies that I, just, I slip by and I just haven't watched it yet. You got to have like three hours yeah. ready to s- spare. You know, I can't believe nobody <laughs> said the Jean Claude Van Damme classic Double Impact. <laughs> like how how could you guys not say Double Impact? I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> in this group of people here. Uh, <laughs> after after the last movie we watched, if I can. Was that Nowhere to Run? Nowhere to Run, yeah. You know, there's another movie from '91, I think. That's called Nowhere to Run as well. I saw it when I was looking through IMDb. It was like a it was like a B Cinemax film. It's kind of weird. I was just like, why is there two, like? And it came out within two years because Nowhere to Run came out in '93. It's fucking weird. Uh, but then again, Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> stole a lot of shit, so I, I'm not surprised. Either. The only thing he didn't steal, good acting. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, that's going to do it for Diesel's movie Triple Stuff this week. You know, when we finish the Triple Stuff, we jump right on in to the 3FN Movie Club. Welcome to 3FN Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That is right, it's time for the 3FN Movie Club Review! Of course, this week, we are going to be reviewing So I Married an Ex-Murderer, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Can you believe 30 years? It proves that we are getting old here at the 3FN (laughs) Podcast. But 30th anniversary, So I Married an Ex-Murderer. And uh, as a reminder for anybody who's, you know, has, you know, forgets what we do older movie, or if you are a new listener, first of all, thank you for giving us a chance. And uh, we always enjoy new people coming in. Let me give you a reminder of how we run the 3FN Movie Club when it's an older film. Because we don't break it into two sections. We don't do the, you know, we do do a spoiler-free and a spoiler-full section. But it's not, we don't go to the points. We, we still give you the stats. We give you Diesel's synopsis. We tell you who made the movie, who's in the movie. And instead of then giving you our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation... We just go right into the review, which is going to be full of spoilers. We will give you a, a courteous, we're going to be talking the spoilerful review, though. But it's a 30-year-old movie. I don't think spoilers really apply. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, well, actually, I guess this movie you could spoil. Those one, there, those one is spoiled. There is, a, there is a, a twist ending, if you will. So, therefore, just so you're warned, if you haven't seen 1993's So I Married an Axe Murderer, you can. Uh, we'll give you. We'll give you one fire warning of we're going into the review. That's where you stop it and then come back <laughs> and hear it if you want to see it. It is on Max, by the way. So Thank if you're God. wondering where to see, so I married an axe murderer. Max, by the way, I got to give a shout out. George pointed this out to me, and I didn't even notice it. Our buddy George, if if you go on to Max, they have a lot of those like '90s and late eight, early '90s, late '80s comedies like that are hard to find. Like they yeah. have a lot of them. I so I got to give them credit. Yeah, yeah, next time go through their comedy. I'll, I'll, I'll go go through the comedy. You know, the yeah. comedy. Someone go through that. You're going to notice there's a ton of like those. Like I shouldn't say obscure, but like that is the home of things like Biodome. Even yeah, like that are used. That used to be hard to find, but Max is like putting them out there. So kudos nice. to Max on I the like old it. comedies. I love it. So with that, with the ground rules set, I think it's time to jump in. And Diesel, I believe. Man, I got a story to tell. Beat poet Charlie finds love with. Butcher Harriet. Turns out she might actually be a butcher. Will romance win out or will the brutal axe murder win out? 
So what you're saying is, woman, whoa, man, <laughs> whoa, man. I knew I would break you. I knew I'd break you. Well, So I Married Axe Murder was released on July 30th of 1993 with a runtime of 93 minutes. I missed those days of the hour and a half movies, by the way. Yes. Budget of this film, believe it or not, $20 million. I don't know where the hell they spent $20 million, but that was the estimated budget. Box office, domestic and worldwide are the same. I'm assuming it did not get a worldwide release. $11.6 million, so it did not uh, make its money back. At the time, I'm surprised that a comedy, a rom-com even, in a lot of ways, was a $20 million budget. Yeah. I don't know if that number's right or not. Cause, but I got it from IMDb, so that's that's giving perfect, you know, clear windows for yeah. me. I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's just weird, the $20 million. I was trying to figure out where that budget went. Maybe the, the trips to Alcatraz? Maybe. <laughs> it, it was, a lot of it was filmed in San Francisco, and they probably have a higher like so the locations were probably a lot more expensive than like doing it in, like fucking georgia probably and then back then uh it wasn't popular to do movies outside of like california yeah. even that's only a thing that's been like in the last 20 years yeah exactly <laughs> all right well now that we know the backstory and all the stats who made this movie who made this movie? of course the movie was directed by thomas schlam and uh, Thomas here only has one other movie, like full-length motion picture on his uh, repertoire. That's Miss Firecracker in 1989. He's done a lot of TV in his later career, including big shows like NCIS and JAG and uh, West Wing was on his, uh, his, yep. his resume as well. Some episodes of that. Uh, you know what he started his career, though, in? Stand-up comedy. He filmed a lot of stand-up comedy for Whoopi Goldberg, Robin Williams, uh, Gary nice. Shandling. There's a lot of uh, people from the 80s and 90s that he filmed <laughs> their uh, comedy hours. So that's where he started his career. Only two major motion pictures to his credit, though, other than that TV, movies, and television. Uh, the screenplay was written by Robbie Fox. By the way, one writer. This is the first in a while. Yeah. Robbie Fox's first movie, full-length motion picture, was Shooting Elizabeth in 1992. Uh, he would also, after this movie, because obviously this came out in 93, he would do In the Army now. And most recently, he wrote the movie The Man from Toronto for Netflix, starring uh, Kevin Hart. Oh, nice. Okay. And that was in 2022. It wasn't a horrible movie. No, it wasn't a bad movie at all. Also, much like the director of the film, Robbie Fox did a lot of screenwriting uh, for a lot of TV programs. So, like, pretty much named, like, How I Met Your Mother was on the list. Like, name a show, and he's probably wrote at least one episode. Nice. Next up, director of photography, Julio Macat. Julio started his uh, for the director of photography career uh, out as Out of the Dark in 1988. Now listen to this. He's got some hits on here. Home Alone, 1 and 2. And by the way, he came back to do Home Alone 3. So he's the DP on the first three Home Alone films. Ace Ventura, the first one, The Pet Detective, not the sequel. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street from the 90s. Yep. The Nutty Professor. Yep. <laughs> A Walk to Remember. Wedding Crashers. Pitch Perfect. Daddy's Home 1 and 2, and then there's a bunch more that I didn't name. Uh, a lot of TV, a lot of made-for-TV movies, miniseries and stuff. So uh, Julio Macat, like a lot of really good stuff out there. And last but not least, because we always like to talk about the music, so we started adding in the composer, as you guys know. Bruce Bre uh, Breton is the composer of this. First film that he composed the, uh, the score for, Silverado, back in 1985. Uh, you would also hear his uh, scores in Harry and the Hendersons, The Monster Squad, <laughs> so I'll have to rewatch that. Ready for this? Moonwalker, the Michael Jackson Ooh. movie. Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Stay Tuned, which that came out in 92. We got to do that sometime. I love Stay I'm, Tuned. I'm a big fan. Uh, and then uh, Tombstone, B-movie, 
and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Yes. But once again, those were the big hits that I wanted to throw out there. So that's who made the movies. Now that we found out who made this movie, it's time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? That's right. And first up, of course, the main star of this movie playing the role of Charlie McKenzie and also his father, <laughs> Mike Myers. Of course, you know Mike Myers, his first, his first major motion picture, Wayne's World in 1992. Yep. He did a lot of TV in Canada because you remember he's a Canadian star. And then, of course, he would join the SNL cast where he would create Wayne's World. He did Wayne's, actually, Wayne's World bookended this movie. Wayne's World, the original came out in 92. Wayne's World 2 came out also in 93. Yeah. Back to back years. Uh, then later on, you remember him from the Austin Powers franchise, the Shrek franchise. He was also in 54. And then uh, most recently, a movie that we all loved, Amsterdam from 2022. Yep, Mike yep. Myers made his return. Of course, after the love guru, other than voice acting for Shrek, he kind of disappeared. Yeah, he disappeared for a little while. <laughs> Next up, playing the role of Harriet Michaels is Nancy Travis. Uh, first movie, Three Men and a Baby in 1987. Well, that's right. I that. She did come back for the sequel, Three Men and a Little Lady, a few years later. Uh, she was also in Married to the Mob, The Vanishing, and uh, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And she's done a lot of TV. Yeah, she's, she's even had shows where she was the main star. Yeah, so. she was like the, the female lead on Becker, I think. Yes, yes she yeah. was. Yeah, so she's done a lot of work, has Nancy Travis over the year, mostly on the silver screen, if you will. You know, Vanishing is a movie that fucked with me, though. By the way, The oh. Vanishing is amazing. Uh, also, Married the Mob, a lot of fun. It's a comedy, basically, so in the vein of this movie a little bit. And, of course, Three Men and a Baby and Three Men and a Little Lady. Yep. yep. She played the mother. I don't know how I should feel about her. Because, you know, the story. Uh, Anthony LaPaja plays Tony Giardino. Uh, he was in Cold Steel in 1987. was the first movie he was in. Then he was in The Client. He was in a movie that Diesel still says stands the test of time. Empire Records. Ron, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it doesn't stand the test of time. Oh, you're wrong. doesn't hold up. He was also in Summer of Sam. Analyzed that. And he was in Happy Feet 1 and 2. And uh, most recently, Annabelle Creation. He's also done a ton of TV and stuff. Very funny man. Big role in this movie. Yeah. I and mean, he's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Next up, as far as the deep dive in the main stars, Amanda Plummer, who plays Rose Michaels. Uh, by the way, her first movie was Cattle Annie and Little Britches in 1980. She played the lead role of Annie, so her first major motion picture, she was the lead in. Nice. Uh, she would also be in The World According, According to Garp, Joe versus the Volcano, The Fisher King, Free Jack, Needful Things, Pulp Fiction, The Prophecy, and she was in the Disney Hercules movie. She did the voice and one of the voices in nice. that as well. Yeah, when I was watching, I'm like, oh, it's Honey Bunny. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's uh, that's that's where everybody pretty much remembers her from. But hey, uh, next up, we're just going to do some quick shout outs because there's a lot of cameos. I mean, this first one is not a cameo, but Brenda Fricker played Mae McKenzie, uh, uh, Charlie's mom. Does a great job in there. Matt Doherty plays, of course, Heed. Uh, they spell it H E E D because yeah. uh, when you say it in Scottish, it's Heed. Uh, then we get into a couple of the the cameos here, right in a row. Uh, Charles Grodin plays the commandeered driver. Phil Hartman as Ranger John Johnson, aka Vicky. Uh, Debbie Mazar plays Suzanne. Stephen Wright is the pilot in this movie, and of course. And this is sad to say it now, but as the captain in this movie, the late great as of last week, Alan Arkin. Yes, I 
was super awesome to see Alan Arkin in this film. I fucking marked out. I forgot he was in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went, oh my God. And of course he just passed. So it was, it was awesome. Also, Michael Richards is in this movie out of nowhere playing a dickhead. So, I mean, I guess that's on uh, the tracks. tracks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's great cameos in this. When we dive in, uh, in the full dive, we'll, we'll probably be talking about some of those cameo roles because they're pretty awesome. Well, with that, we are about getting ready to dive in for the deep dive. So if you have not seen 1993's so I Married an Axe Murder, you don't want it spoiled, this is the time to stop the podcast and come back after you've seen it. We're not going to play the spoiler uh, alert because we're going to dive right in right now. Here we go. Let's talk about this movie. Um, scene by scene is kind of out the window because this is a pretty linear film. I do want to talk about, I love the setup of this film and we can go from there. This film is like every act brings, like, this is the perfectly written act movie so well, i'm gonna explain it because i know that sounds weird because i know i didn't say it right but every act brings a different piece to this pie yeah so in the first act of this movie we get introduced to charlie we find out that charlie has problems trusting women as a matter of fact whenever he gets too close to a woman he then finds a reason uh, his last girlfriend uh he dumped because she was a thief she was a klepto, if you will. And one smelled like beef soup. One <laughs> smelled like beef soup, yes. And we, we, So we find these insecurities out. And at the end of the first act, pretty much the end of the first act, he meets Harriet at the meat shop. So then they start they start seeing each other, and of course, he starts tanking it. As a matter of fact, it comes up from a weekly world news <laughs> magazine, <laughs> or paper, sorry. Uh, I'll have you know, it's the, eighth lar- it's the eighth largest circulated paper in the world. <laughs> that line comes up a few times. And there's this thing about Mrs. X, who has murdered her husbands on their honeymoons. So he becomes convinced that Harriet is Mrs. X. He has these loose thoughts. I mean, albeit, yes, she has this this Russian samurai stuff on her wall. And she has a big poster of Atlantic City. And one of the people was in Atlantic City was a lounge singer. And then last but not least, she says Ralph in her sleep. So there's some clues, but they're very loose and vague. And so you just see him just kind of torpedoing this. And by the end of it, realizes, oh, wait a minute. I'm just doing this to myself, as you, the viewer, also realize it. And ask her to marry him. So we get into the third act where they get married and they go on their honeymoon. And then we'll save it for a second. But that's when the twist starts. So I just thought it was really kind of cool that it's these three. And it goes, it flows for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it flows pretty good. And the main storyline is very linear up to the, the, the twist. The subplots that are going on throughout this movie are one of the things that I love the most. Absolutely. Um, so one of my favorite things is the recurring joke between Anthony LaPagia and Charlie's mom. Oh, yes, where she keeps trying to make out Will, well, makes out with him successfully, and then gropes him and everything. She is just like, oh, you got really sexy, and just like, give me a kiss, and like, <laughs> Tongue fucks him essentially. And she's like, "Oh, you're a wee sexy bastard now, aren't you?" And then at the wedding, it pays off where she's like just grab, like uncomfortably grabbing him. I thought that was really funny. Um, same thing with uh, the his boss, the police captain, and he's like, I, "It's not like in the in the movies and like TV. I've never hung off an alo- a helicopter, or, you know, where they land that thing, or and you never come in yelling at me like." Alan Arkin is the is the nicest chief of police of our or captain of all time. So Alan Arkin, is there anything wrong? I'm sorry. Alan Arkin just like starts yelling at him and then asking for advice if that was good enough. It was <laughs> so oddly comical and sweet. I I just love the little side stories. I, I did. I, I thought the little side stories were great. Uh, of course, also like his father being a conspiracy theory nut. Yeah. So Mr. McKenzie's always like talking. Of course. 
funny to us, and I, I brought this up to Ken M when I was talking to him like the other day after I watched it. I was like, "You do realize this is the movie where the Pentaver comes from? The Netflix show The Pentaver yeah. is based upon this movie because yeah. we discover that the the Pentaverant is what his father's bitching about. Uh, you know, is is the crown, the Vatican, the, and of course we get to Colonel Sanders before he went before he went ass up, <laughs> and he's like." How do you hate the Colonel then? Because he puts an addictive substance in his chicken that makes you crave it daily, smart ass. It's such a great line. You're a goddamn Scottish Alex Jones. <laughs> he is. It is. It's just. It's. It's hilarious. It's just. Just hilarious. And of course, we get the famous heed pants. No, uh, as, as his, that kid's got a gargantuan cream. You know, he's going to go upstairs and he's going to cry himself to sleep on his large pillow. <laughs> like it's such a. It's just such a funny just moment of. It's. It's just crazy. And yeah, there's just the characters you love them, you love the side adventures, and then you have the cameos. And in most movies, you know, there might be a small chuckle. This movie like really delivers laughs with its cameos. Yes. Because the cameos aren't just like this brief second. Some of them actually last a couple scenes, if yeah. you will. And it's always a lot of fun, you know. Like I think that the the least the least big cameo I should I said that wrong obviously was Deborah Mazur's cameo yeah. in the in the uh, inside of the restaurant the double date and uh would you rather the would you rather where it was even even though she said a would you rather which wasn't even that bad and like that was a whole joke it still wasn't that bad like the they played that off so cringy that it was just like she really didn't do anything wrong here I feel bad for <laughs> Debbie Mazar's character yeah but it was, it was kind of funny though it, was, yeah, it played yeah. off really good for cringe but then we t let's talk about Phil Hartman, <laughs> the late great Phil Hartman. Wondering why Phil Hartman could dominate a scene as the prison tour guide, <laughs> Mr. Johnson, better known as Vicky. <laughs> and uh, I just love they're they're taking this tour, they're talking stories, and he's just telling you all about Alcatraz and how everybody who's a guard, everybody who, there's a tour guide used to be a guard. And uh, what is his uh, famous story? So there there was a. Um an inmate there who had a punk and for whatever reason they decided to machine gun kelly by the way machine gun oh, yep. kelly had a bitch yeah machine gun well, kelly they, well you know it's what they call in prison a bitch with air quotes <laughs> uh took a what you call a shiv and took out his bitch's eyes and then the next morning machine gun kelly and three of his associates took turns pissing in the bitch's eyes in, her, in the bitch's ocular cavities oh yes that's what the <laughs> ocular cavities <laughs> Now and delivers this straight faced. I, I don't know how he could. Mind you, the them going to Alcatraz did nothing to advance the story. It was just there to get Ranger Vicky. Yes. And normally in a movie I'd be like, Well, that meant nothing. Why is it in the movie? In an hour and thirty four movie, you could put in some filler. And I enjoyed it, and it was one of the highlights of the whole movie. <laughs> and uh, next one, I got to talk about Charles Grodin as the commandeered driver. Uh, Tony's trying to get to the hotel at the end of the movie, which we'll dive into in a second. And as he's trying to, he tries to commandeer a vehicle. And the driver, very dryly, is like, no, you cannot. Can I please? No. So he ends up driving him, though. Yep. And if you're not familiar with Charles Grodin, he was in a ton of stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I remember him mostly for being in the movie Taking Care of Business yep. with uh, Jim Belushi, which I one of my favorite movies. We'd have to, we'll have to do that on Patreon or here sometime. I, I always enjoyed that movie. Dated for now, but it took place in like, 19, it's like 1989, 88. Uh, so, yeah, I've always been a fan. So Charles Grodin's always been, and I thought the dry humor there. And then, of course, the one that we all had a double take. 
Stephen Wright is the pilot. And just classic Stephen Wright. He plays the pilot as Stephen Wright. Yes. Yes. Like as Tony's like trying to go like like are do you even know what you're doing? He's like, Yes, I'm a pilot. Well what okay, how are you flying right now? Because we can't see. Because I'm using my instruments. Well, what is that one? The artificial horizon, which I assure you looks better than the actual horizon. <laughs> but the best line is Diesel, he falls asleep while flying the plane, and what does he wake up to say? I just had the best dream. <laughs> I was born three months premature, and the doctors were freaking out. Did I already tell you this dream? <laughs> Just so bizarre. And one of my, a smaller one that happened right before that too was, you know, when they're flying, and uh, he goes, "Well, I've never flown at night." And you just see Tony just like freaking because he's like, well, because it opens up. He's like, "Have you done this before?" He's like, "Yeah, I've flown in bad weather. I've flown." Well, now that you mentioned, I've never flown at night. (laughs) (laughs) Just it's funny and that dry Stephen Wright tone. It it was really well done. He never changes the inflection. (laughs) I love it. So. As we go through this movie, like I said already, we, we kind of just, you know, we kind of talk some of the fun parts. They get married, of course. One of my favorite parts does happen during the married uh, because his do- father decides he's going to think, if you think I'm sexy by Rod Stewart, and he's got a bagpiper playing, and the bagpiper while playing the solo, he goes down, and we just get piper down. Yep. We have a piper down. <laughs> it's just always been one of my favorite things. And so what we find out is that, like I said, through this whole movie, we set up the fact that Charlie just doesn't, do well in relationships. I do also want to point out this before we go further. How the fuck does Charlie afford his lifestyle? Did you notice that we only see him as a beat poet? So we see him at the at, the, at Rhodes, which is the beat was the poetry place. He's the only one that does beat poetry. Everybody else is doing like regular poetry. But anyways, we see him there, and then like the one time we see him at his own apartment. Did you notice that that apartment was pretty fucking pimped out? Yeah, like he had like a roof like deck and then inside the house and then he's like drives a classic car but it's a nice classic car like where is he getting this money from and it doesn't come from the family because they are obviously portrayed as working class they're definitely working class they 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 bought the house 30 years ago that's the only reason they have like this like nice like well we would call it a brownstone here in new york but it's a nice brick house in 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 san francisco and as they point out even in the movie they would only be they only afforded because they bought it 30 years ago when they got married yeah, so they take the the friend's plot armor where it's just like money's not an issue, which is one of the drawbacks for this film because it's like yeah, there there there's some things you're just like, well no, like he's not going to make a living being a beat poet, which was horrible, <laughs> not a good beat poet either. Whoa, man! Whoa, man! Yeah. Oh. I'm just going to keep doing that to Diesel with like essentially doing a PowerPoint presentation and showing his ex girlfriends on screen. It's like. Dude, I kind of want you to get axe murdered at this point. <laughs> I just love how you, they set up. They, they do do a good job of setting it up the first time because Tony's like, "Oh, you're gonna do the woman one, the whoa man one." Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like you're just like, "Oh yeah," t- Tony's even on to him. Yeah. But anyway, so we set that up, and like I said, and then we go forward, and then he's got his little things. Like she says, Ralph in her sleep, and then she goes, "Oh, she's my friend." And he's Ralph, says she, and she, you know, the way he gets introduced to her sister is is funny yeah. slapstick because she's not there, but he goes and tries to get into the shower with what he thinks is Harry yet but it's not it's rose uh and then you know you have all these things and eventually he meets ralph and the towel comes down yeah. which is the comedy portion of it but he said like, oh ralph is a girl oh you know whatever so we as you start putting things together you're like oh she might not be the one the first major clue that we get is that the lounge she was married to a lounge singer in atlantic city and his claim to fame was he could sing only you in like a hundred languages or yeah. something. And at their wedding, she sings only you 
in a couple different languages to him. So, like, but he doesn't take anything about it because at this point in Juncture, Tony has found out, well, had told him, hey, we found the person who killed Ralph Elliott. <laughs> and so I think you're all, and that didn't matter now because he had already broken it off with her. And that's how they got back together. Yeah. So now they're out on their way to this, like, old poet house where all the beat poets used to hang out. Like, he gets all excited about it. By the way, why is that a 40-mile road? Did you notice when they turn off on that, like, country road, it says 40 miles to that bed and breakfast? Because you have to foreshadow that his buddy cannot make it there in a matter of minutes. So you have to be like, ooh, Mind he's they far were driving, away. Yeah, they were driving previous to that, too. So anyways, yeah. they get they get to the place, and it's at this point in Juncture that it is uh, relayed to the captain that he relates it to Tony that, hey, by the way, that person who copped to the uh, Ralph Elliott killing, yeah, they also copped to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln <laughs> and, and a few other historical figures. Jonah Ark, I think, was one yeah. of them as well. And he was like, so that person is a crazy. And so now he's like, oh, shit. Oh, man. So he tries to get a hold of him. He calls him, and of course, the phone gets cut because there's going to be a storm, so the power yeah. might go out. So as he picks up the phone, he's like, you're with a killer. And in the meantime, we've seen him go to the bathroom, and she's, like, sneaking around on him. And then we see her go into her little makeup kit, and she pulls out this necklace that was hidden in her in her powder, and it's got three rings on it. And we're like, oh, shit, Harriet is a fucking axe murderer. She's a serial killer, and those are her trophies. She is a black widow killer. By the way, I do love how, like, then they do the party chair thing and stuff because they're newlyweds after he gets this news and he's all, like, freaking out <laughs> trying to get away. And then, like, my one of my favorite scenes that I always go back to, it. I don't understand why it's favorite, but we've brought it up a bunch of times and other things, is they take him to the room and the, bu- and the, and the busboy is leaving and he's just like, come back and have a nightcap. <laughs> he was like, no, sir, I- I'm sure you want to be. No, come and have a nightcap. <laughs> he's like, sir, I don't think you want me to. Come and have a nightcap! And he, the kid runs, he runs away. And I'm just like, it, it was just always funny to me. And I think that the reveal is so, they get into it, Mike Myers locks Harriet in the closet because he thinks she's a killer. And as he's about to call the police, or try to call the police from the phone, he notices that there's a note next to the phone. Diesel, what is the note, say, paraphrasing it, obviously? I, I'm, I can't deal with this commitment. I, I gotta go. I'm leaving. I'm sorry. Live. Charlie. And he goes, I didn't write this. And then we see Rose behind him with an axe. Yep. So Rose is the killer. She's tired of these goddamn trifling men taking her sister away from her. Yes. So in the meantime, Tony, by the way of pilot and then commandeered car, gets to this place. But by the time they get there, Mike Myers, well, sorry, Charlie and Rose are now on the roof. Yes. And he comes in and finds Harriet in the closet, automatically grabs a hold of her, and I'm on to you. And she's basically going, are you going to help him? Charlie's on the roof. He's in danger. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever you're saying. And you, and you could hear the whole time, like, the roof, the fucking axe hitting the roof, him yelling. <laughs> like, you could hear the noises. It's hilarious. Like, I love how it plays out. Yeah, it plays off very slapsticky and... He handcuffs her, and you just hear the commotion above them. And he's like, yeah, 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 I can, I can hear Charlie right now. What'd you do with him? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he's at one point, his legs are dangling over the, the window with their necks to. It's, <laughs> he shoots into the roof, and it you know comes up, obviously going to come grazed by uh, Charlie's balls. And he's like, ooh. <laughs> uh, also, a fun moment is when uh, Rose kicks him in the nuts. And he's like, we could not, then he kicks Rose right in the muff <laughs> and gives a smirk to the camera. Mike Myers breaking the fourth wall. Yes. Times. You got to do it. And eventually, like, we, as he gets outside, oh, oh, shit, Charlie is out there fighting for his life. They end up saving the day. Charlie doesn't end up dead. Rose doesn't end up dead. She ends up arrested. 
And Harriet and Charlie presumably live happily yeah. ever after as she's listening to another beat poem from Charlie, which <laughs> after hearing that, I might have asked for an annulment. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the nutshell. But So the end of this movie, I just got to say it for another like here, my, the end of this movie is genius. Uh, I love how, like I said, when I talked about the axe before, it's, I love how it builds into it. But then you get to the actual point where you're like, oh, shit, Harriet's a killer. And then you find out there's a twist to that. But yeah. it's just done so naturally progressive that I'm just kind of like, there's horror movies that didn't pull that yeah. shit off. And this pulls it off like seamlessly in a lot of ways. Ron, we haven't heard a lot from you. Any other likes you want to throw in? Uh, it's definitely enjoyable, and it's shot very well. And, you know, they do everything you need to set up, you know, the, the like when the suspiciousness and to put everything in order for you to be like, oh, maybe it is really her. Maybe it's not. You know, so it, it does hit those things, like you said, that some horror movies just don't get. You're just like, you get to the end and they try to throw the same twist at you and you're just like, saw it two minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like, thanks. You know, and I'm not going to lie, when I was watching this, I completely forgot the twist until it happened. I went, oh, yeah, that's how this goes. Because I saw it once back in 93 and that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a thing. Fun story about this movie, though. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I remember this movie fondly. And the reason being, and I was going to say it for the scores, cause, like when we do the internet scores, but I remember this movie finally because it was always on Cinemax and HBO. Yeah. And as a kid, I had, you know, at my grandma's house, we had Cinemax and HBO. And I probably watched this movie no less than 50 times <laughs> because it would be on and I'd right. just sit there because that's when you just sat there and watched. Either you watched a VHS tape, yeah, that's how old I am, or, you know, you watched what was on and this movie was on. It makes sense now. It tracks with the fact that it only made $11.5 million. Yeah. So that's why it was probably played all the time. So I think that, like, for people in mine and Diesel's age bracket when we were younger and it was on during the daytime, I think that's why we kind of remember this movie more fondly, and it's become a cult classic for us, if I, you will. Diesel, with that, you have any more likes? No, we. I think we've pretty much covered them all. Um, big shout-out, though, for Michael Myers playing the father. You know, obviously, it's early shades of Fat Bastard yep. doing the Scottish, and it was really well done. I enjoyed him being the father. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely see some things that would come to fruition yeah. later on in Mike Myers' career. All right, so it's going to be negative time. Diesel, I'm going to go to you first. What did you? What were some negatives about So I Married an Axe Murder? All right, so I got a few where it's just... Charlie is the most unlikable person in the world. Yeah, he's kind of a cunt. He, he, he's douchey. I, I don't like him, and it's hard to believe in the 90, 1993 people tried to make Mike Myers like the it guy for like being the romantic heartthrob of a movie. Kind of hard to pull off. <laughs> um, I don't know if they were necessarily going for that because, like, he doesn't do too many of those roles. I mean, I guess Wayne's World a little bit, like, but that's a backstory. I think there was at the time where SNL guys were just firing on all cylinders, yeah. like, because, like, it was like before him, you had the era of Dan Aykroyd yeah. and, 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 of course, Eddie Murphy. Then you have him, and that led into, like, Sandler and also, of course, the late, great Chris Farley. So I think SNL guys were just getting whatever the fuck they wanted. I, I, I might be just a little, uh, bias against this because I used to think that haircut was a good luck. <laughs> M- mistakes were made in like, middle school people. <laughs> listen, listen, this movie does have some older fashions and I mean obviously it's from 1993. Um, suspension of disbelief. Not for the things that you would think. One, he meets Harriet by going to the butcher shop to buy haggis. You can't buy haggis in America. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But it, it, we, we have to go with it. And then he, he meets her he's like, alright, he goes back, and she is swamped. First of all, before you even get to this inconsistency, <laughs> what I don't go to. First of all, he stalks her because remember he drives by and she's 
putting up the awning yeah. and yeah. she's in the the swedish yeah. uh, dress or swiss dress and uh yeah and then of course he comes back when she's busy again yeah for no other reason to just say hi pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. so he, he he's he has an attraction to her because but, stalking diesel <laughs> in the <laughs> 90s it was it was wooing <laughs> But he, he goes to the butcher shop while it's super busy, and he's like, well, my dad used to have a butcher shop. I can help out if you want. Nobody is taking on a random stranger to, at a butcher shop being like, yeah, just start cutting meat. Yeah. By the way, he's operating a <laughs> slicer, too. I don't know if the, how legal that was. <laughs> um, Cutting bacon. And also pretending like he cut his arm off to customers. I don't yeah. know if that's, I don't know if that's uh, what you do in life. Yeah, there's just a few inconsistencies where you're just like, it, it's so far-fetched though like the the whole thing we're saying like his apartment like they don't show him having a job he's a beat poet like where does he get his money like yeah he also had money to put a thing for his parents anniversary in the paper and to rent out a whole bar yeah. for their anniversary so like a scottish bar even yeah so i just think there was a little bit of lazy writing in that aspect of just taking all that out of account and just being like all right this is what we're doing uh, um main gripe though is charlie himself i, I did not like how the Charlie character was written. I loved Harriet. I thought Harriet and yes. Nancy Travis did a great job. I just did not like the Charlie character. And there's nothing against Michael Myers and how he portrayed him. It just the character itself was just unlikable. Well, if you would have put that white mask on that he's worn in other movies, <laughs> <laughs> I joke, I joke, I get it, kid. Uh, that would also fit with the stalking, though. By the way, it would. It would. Uh, Ron, you got any dislikes? Uh, like honestly, it's the same thing about Charlie. It's just like the fact that how he tries to the comedy beats were a little off for me like they were there yeah i laughed chuckled yeah. but with him they were just kind of like it was mike myers trying to force a couple things and they just didn't hit with me 100 yeah. percent. um maybe it's just because like i said i haven't watched this movie in a while i don't know what if it was i don't, I don't get it but like you said maybe, maybe it could have been the way that charlie was written and he was just trying to get something yeah. out of it i don't know that i mean it wasn't horrible but it's just something that i caught I, of course, part of it's the writing, but I would also say that it's kind of Mike Myers. Yeah. Because if you look at his roles in Wayne's World and even in Austin Powers, he has this, at times, almost cockiness to his delivery, yeah, which is kind yeah. of weird because as a person, he doesn't have that. Like, if you hear him talk when he's just, you know, not in a movie, just yeah. in interviews and stuff, he's very humble, very whatever. Yeah. But it, for some reason in characters, he always comes across as kind of cocky, and I'm sure that's what, you know, because even in Wayne's World, if you think how he delivers his lines yeah. a lot, it's kind of that cocky, I'm better than you kind of delivery, yeah. even yeah. though he's doing the stoner, like... Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 But like, like he's always, it's, it's weird. I, and yeah. I, so I understand what you're saying. Like, I don't know why it just bothered me enough to just be like, eh, but you know, I mean, like I said, it could have been just the way that Charlie was written. Cause I do agree with you. He's a hateable character in this movie. Yeah. Just and the character you, you of Charlie. Ki you kind, kind of want him to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of ruined against him. Yeah. Um, I can agree with you. There's some of the, like the writing parts. Uh, one of the things that it's like minor negatives, like a lot of my negatives were just kind of minor about this movie. Uh, cause one of my minor negatives is the fact that they take, like you're assuming this is a straight on comedy and at times it is a straight on comedy when you're dealing with the Tony character or when you're dealing with the captain or when you're dealing with the subplots or the cameos or even the parents. But when you're dealing with the moments with Harriet and Charlie, it's almost a, a, a drama. So it yeah. becomes this weird dramedy or rom-com at times. Like there is a couple fun spots with them, like when they're doing the scratching in bed, or yeah. when he when he uh, she's he, he's watching fucking uh, current affair, and he sees the poisonings up in households, <laughs> yeah. and she go, brings him a, like a juice, and he fucking locks himself in the closet, saying that he's got to go to the bathroom to brush it, but he's in the closet, and he's just standing there, of course his glass in there. So there is some slapstick to it, but for the most part, like 
they're not really having comedy together, yeah. which is straight. And like I said, I did I do like the Harriet character a lot, but she's written pretty straight. Yeah. Like, you know, for a comedy, like, there's not really too many jokes. There's not too many, like, it's a very straight character. Yeah, her character, the way it's written, is not a character. It's an object. It's to move the story forward and to be the red herring. There's no real personality that shines through because they didn't write her in enough jokes. Right, right, right. So it's like, so you have this weird part where there's a comedy and there's a lot of non-comedy in it. So that was kind of one of those things where, because I always like, oh, I remember it as being funnier because I remember all the fun lines. And that doesn't make up the majority of the movie. Now, mind you, it doesn't hurt it too much because the movie's only an hour yeah. and 33 minutes. So it's it moves around pretty briskly. And like I, like I said, I could agree with you guys with the Mike Meyer stuff. Any uh, negatives or anything else you guys want to add before uh, we move on? There she <laughs> goes. Well, our patrons got to hear it because I did play There She Goes by the Laws uh, on, on Patreon feed. Of course, uh, there were some other good songs. We got two princes. The, the soundtrack was, was good, and I do, did enjoy the first two times you hear There She Goes, but they went to that well, and I think it was a, for a reason to be the joke, but oh my god, the fourth time it hits, you're just like, stop it, just stop it. <laughs> I would also like to point out, it was the early 90s, and in the early 90s, if you remember, and we've talked about some movies recently from the early 90s, uh, there was a lot of like there was a theme song for this yeah. movie and it would play multiple times during the movie I always hated that part about it it, it stuck around until about 96 97 but if you remember from like I want to say like 89 to 97 there was like there, if there was a movie there was a theme song you would hear it multiple times not necessarily always sung sometimes you would just hear the instrumental it, it was always kind of fucking weird to me Top Gun well yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean think about it. any movie Kenny Loggins did a part but Kenny Loggins is a legend so don't get me wrong action scene you had Kenny Loggins, and anytime there was a romance, it was Berlin. <laughs> that is also true. Now that you mention it, uh, I will say this: my favorite piece of business, the Bay City Rollers. S A T U R D A Y Day S. And of course, you know they're with the dad dancing around. It's hilarious, yeah. and his Scottish Wall of Fame. Uh, you know, and it, it, to be truly honest, I'm half Scottish by you know ethnicity. So there we go. I, 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 so there was part of me that's proud of it. Like, I'm not eating haggis, though. Just throwing that out there. I've had it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I, Mike Myers says it best in that movie. All Scottish cuisine is based off of a dare. Uh, with that, that is going to carry us out of the review. Before we can give our scores, though, we need to find out what the scores are from around the internet. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game, and Diesel has got a two-week win streak going on. Can he keep that ball rolling, or will Ron cut him off and take back the throne? Nope. The game is played simply as this. It is Price is Right rules, closest to the number without going over. Of course, if we need that last question to be a tiebreaker, we're two points because we don't do ties, so be it. And, of course, these two gentlemen will be guessing scores from around the internet of, you know, different sites who reviewed this movie. So, with that, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Yep. Well, I'm going to chop you down. You probably are. I have no idea where this is going in this one. All right, Ron, because you're the challenger, you go first. IMDB out of 10 using points. What did they give So I Married an Axe Murderer? 6.8. Diesel. Go with a 4. Diesel's going with a 4, 6.8, and... Diesel gets the point, 6.4 out of 10. Oh, Ron high. busted, so that's why he was closer, but he busted. Damn. Raise it up a little. 
Diesel, you're up now first. Metacritic, out of 100%, what did they give? So I Married an Axe Murderer. 48. Ron. 50. Ooh, he's cutting you off a little bit, and it pays off 54%. Ron gets the points. We're tied one-to-one. Ron, you go first on this. This is the Ron Tomatoes critic score. Out of 100%, what did they give? So I Married an Axe Murderer. Shit, I don't know if it's freaking rotten or not. Ah, uh, I'm not giving you that clue. I know. Fuck. Uh, oh, shit. 41. 41. Diesel. 42. Damn it. Ooh, <laughs> he's going to cut you off. <laughs> and guess what? It pays off because it was 53%. Diesel gets the point. Diesel, you're up 2-1. If you can get this next question, you win. Rotten Tomatoes fan score because you go first, Diesel. Out of 100%, what do they give? So I married an axe murderer. 56. Ronald. I like that score, actually. <laughs> I like that score a lot. I have, so, to, I have to play the numbers to go 57. Okay. 57? Or you could have played one. Yeah. Let's play the numbers. Do you think it's yeah. number. <laughs> All right. Ready for it? Ron gets the point to block. It was 68%. Okay. So okay. it was. it's actually still fresh uh, yes. on uh, the fan side, but it is a splat on the critic side. Barely. Because 60% is the splat level. Yeah. So 53% is the splat there. All right, that brings us to the final question. And, Ron, you are in the disadvantage seat. Now, mind you, this is whoever is closest to the number. The Price is Right rule goes out the window. (laughs) This is Google users, Ron. Out of 100%, what did they give So I Married an Axe Murderer? You got to go high. 87. 87% diesel. Are you going 88 or are you going 86? Because we know this is called this place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good number. But we're going down one 86 so if it's anything if it's 87 or above ron wins if it's anything under 87 diesel is reigning your champion of course somebody already has to win so your winner and still champion diesel uh it was 75 percent oh i was actually thinking this was gonna be in the 70s 75 i hate google users you think it's gonna be in the 70s they're like 92 percent yeah, seventy. Uh, so seventy-five percent for Google users. So with that, now we've gone around and gotten the scores from the internet. So now it's finally time for us to give our scores. Yeah. Well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's right. And of course, we are going to give our nerd score first, followed by my critic score. And the nerd score is based on the nerd scale. And of course. Where this lies is it is a recommendation score that we base off of our critic score and mix with an entertainment score, which means it could be critically lower, but if it was more entertaining, it will be higher on the nerd scale and vice versa. So at the end of the day, it's still a recommendation. The scale is a five-part scale, and there's no halves or anything else. It's just five levels. Here are the levels as followed. A one is no. That means the movie is terrible and you should never watch it. A two is you've been warned. That means the movie's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is ah, it's good. This is an average to good film. These are you know movies that you, if they're on, you can go ahead and watch them. Feel free to see them, but you don't need to go out of your way to see it. You don't want to spend money on it necessarily. You're not going to add it to your collection. Uh, you know, buy it on Amazon or buy the Steelbook or anything. You're not just going to do that. On the other end of this is the number four slide. That's just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are movies that if they're in the theater, you're going to pay to go see. If they get re-released, you're going to go get, go see them. Uh, you're going to add them to your collection. You might even add them into your rotation to watch them on a somewhat frequent 
bases. And last but certainly not least is the rarefied air that is known as Certified Nerd. And these are the movies that are legendary. These are movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, and so many others that, you know, you're going to pay to see them over and over again. You're going to add them to your collection. You're going to add them into a uh, watch them on a frequent basis because they are the, the what films are made of. They're the classics, if you will. So with that explanation out of the way, Ron, you can go first. What is your nerd score for So I Married an Axe Murder and Why? My nerd score for this is a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's entertaining enough, you know, where you, you got to see it. If you're a Mike Myers fan, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, it's it's there. Like, I, I'll probably maybe watch it again in 10 years or something, maybe. But it's nothing that you need to put in your rotation, I don't think. Um, but that's just my take on all this. But like I said, I watched it once when it first came out and then I haven't seen it since so I mean it's worth it it does like I said like we said we've it's done what some horror movies couldn't so if you're just looking for that kind of look into it that's definitely what you want to look into if you're into uh, trying to write a horror movie or something like those red herrings just enough like because there's a lot of stuff that's good from this movie but as watching it more than once I, uh, I, I can see where you don't want to alright Diesel is now time for your nerd score for So I Married an Axe Murderer yep yeah, we're also going to go with a three it's good. It's good. It's good. The cameos in this movie bring the humor up just enough to elevate it to a three. I think without like Phil Hartman and Stephen Wright, this is a solid two movie, but there was enough entertaining stuff to bring it to that next level where you're just like, all right, this is fun. I, I didn't mind watching this. Would I want to go pay for it? No. What Would I recommend it to everyone be like, oh, you got to watch this? No. But if you happen to see it, you're going to have a fun time. Well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna explain this real quick. Comedies for me are always hard to score with my critic score and the nerd scale. It, I've come up with an easier way to do it, and I think uh, I'm gonna give Diesel the credit for this because it, it was probably about six months ago that when he was kind of like, well, this is the kind of the basis of our nerd scale, so that's kind of how I go. Uh, because sometimes you just have to separate them. Because obviously the critic score is only part of it; the entertainment is in, in the other. So with this, I'm gonna give my critic score first. Because this movie is a comedy and it's got some solid things in it, you know, all things said, and I don't believe this is a bad score. It's a six and a half out of ten. Like, once again, though, it's not going to be ground shaking. I think, like, the highest, higher rated comedies, I don't even know if I have a comedy that's above a nine. Honestly. Yeah, that's that's rough. And, like, some of my legendary comedies that I think are legendary and I put in that five slot, I think I would only critically score them a seven or seven and a half. So, like, it's just comedies are are a hard thing to grade. I just want to throw that out there. Because, like, I grade them compared to other comedies, but at the same point in juncture, there's always things you have to forgive in the movie. Yes. Because, obviously, to get to some of the jokes and some of the slapstickiness of of a comedy, in a good comedy, you have to sacrifice some plot. And you have to sacrifice some storytelling. And there's got to be loopholes. So I want to give that first. So I really kind of broke it down. And like I said, taking this from almost verbatim from Diesel, like the way you have to decide is first thing we decide is this is a three on the scale. Because am I upset about watching this movie? If I can say, okay, I'm not upset that I saw the movie. I actually had entertainment in this movie. It's automatically going to be started a three. If I go, no, I did not get entertained. I'm upset about this. That's when it starts to creep down the two one. I can instantly tell you that it didn't creep that way at all. So then it became, okay, so now are we at the level, as personally, am I at the level where I think that this is just a three or is it more? And I'm going to actually give the movie a four. Show me the money! And the reason why is this, and yes, there's some nostalgia feels here, but I think I was vindicated because a lot of the nostalgia feels I have for other movies, I'm like, man, they always let me down. 
You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we go back and watch a lot of the movies, and we've been doing it lately, especially doing these anniversary movies. And I'm like, I remember loving this movie, and I went, but it ain't that great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know you guys are you oh, know yeah, that as well. And everybody at home who listens to us knows. This was one of those movies where I was like, oh, it met my expectation. It wasn't that it was above, but I would own this. As a matter of fact, if, if I had to rent this movie, I would have not been upset because we've had to rent movies in the past from Amazon or even buy them, and you're like, eh, and it doesn't always pan out. So, I mean, I, I instantly was like, I'm not upset about it. I did enjoy this movie. Like I said, there's, it, I wish it was kind of funnier than what I remembered, yeah. but at the same time, the story was for a comedy. The story was, to me, brought it up because there's actually a plot that you can follow and it's very organized, and as Diesel said, there's a lot of subplots as well that also follow along and make the story entertaining. I, I gotta give him credit for story structure alone, I give True. this a four because it, it, it got me the laughs. I love the cameos. At the end of the day, uh, I told my wife, I'm like, man, I should buy, you know, I wonder if they're doing something for a 30th anniversary of this movie because I would buy the steelbook if they were, just to add it to the collection. But that is our scores. If you would like to share our your scores with us, you can do that on the social medias. And of course, if you would like to find out any of our social media links, as well as any other links like T Public, Patreon, links for the show, musical directory, or, or sponsors, or so much more, you just go to your one-stop shop, 3fnpodcast.com. Ron, I believe you have some business. Three out of ten stars. Dreadful. Horrendous. Dan Daniel Radcliffe absolutely destroys this film. He has no experience, and he loves and enjoys himself far too much for anyone else to enjoy the film. The facial expressions, the looks, and the lack of acting capability was a tragic. It, was, it wasn't it was funny. Emma Watson and Rupert Grant gave decent performances, and Maggie Smith ruled supreme. A few good moments, but the lead star dragged the film down so much it was unbearably bad. Sorry, a three. Plot was pathetic, and Daniel wrecked it. Some magic and feeling was in the film, and the film was attempted to be low success rate, better lead role, and the points would be rolling in. However, I cannot possibly do that. Children and families seem to like it, but I think parts of the film could have been achieved better. Three out of ten stars. Daniel Radcliffe just sucks people. <laughs> Why was he supposed to play off as funny? That was my main takeaway. It was like, he wasn't funny. Well, it's not a comedy. And who the fuck is Maggie Smith? Uh, the, the the older lady. Which older lady? I forget her. I, exactly. I, <laughs> exactly. You know Harry Potter. You know Rupert Grant. You know Hermione. What's I don't name? know who the fuck Maggie Smith is. I forget the character she plays. That, I never read the books. It, it, it doesn't even matter. Okay. It's just kind of like the, the. It proves the point that like unless you're. I mean, I'm sure our Harry Potter friends are going to be like, you fucking no, don't know who Maggie also. Smith is. But at the same point in juncture. Just because we're casual fans, I wouldn't even say fans, but just because we uh, casually know anything about this movie, that just proves that she couldn't have killed it that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is she the uh, Helena Bonham Carter uh, ripoff? Oh, no. She's yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 I don't know. She's a stuffy like headmaster woman, right? Yeah. Or one of the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Professor. Minerva or something? Yeah. I don't know. Once again, yeah. I don't even think that was important to bring it up. The, yeah. the case in point is, we would have known if it was that great. Someone mm. just hates Daniel Radcliffe's face. <laughs> wow. Listen, Daniel Radcliffe is a fucking <laughs> national treasure. Well, when, when he was like 10. <laughs> like, that's yeah, I was also going to say, he's a child. He, like, he looks was... like he's having fun. <laughs> is that a bad thing? He found out he's a fucking wizard. He got out living in a closet and he's having butterbeer. <laughs> yes, he's having fun. <laughs> to be fair, you lived in a closet for a long time yes. but you didn't have as much fun 
Oh, or maybe I you just, had a lot more fun. I just fun. thought it was funny that he just ranks on Daniel Radcliffe, who's like eight or nine or ten in this freaking movie. For no reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people, once again, send all your hate to at RedX230 on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Make it one of your 300 posts for the day. <laughs> there you go. You can send them to, to Ron. Don't bring the smoke to us, because we, uh, we, 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 we ain't defending this shit. With that... That's going to do it for this week's episode of the 3FN Podcast. Next week, we will be back to review Armageddon for its 25th anniversary. Trust me, you will not want to close your eyes. You will not want to fall asleep because you will then miss it and you will be upset because you shouldn't miss a thing when we talk Armageddon. With that being said, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds. Later. There she goes. Harry Potter just sucks people. <laughs>